Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Whether it's through the nonprofit, the Gentleman's Foundation, their restaurant, Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar, or visibility in the community, Juan Smalls and his husband are on a mission to give back to their community. Originally from California, in 2007, he drove 32 hours straight and moved to Atlanta. He found an apartment after one month and met his husband a year later. After being laid off from his job, Juan decided to focus on building the couple's company. They started an event planning company, and their first event was the Gentleman's Ball in 2011. In the planning of that event, deciding the name, the concept, and the program, they always wanted to attach a nonprofit to it so that they could give back to the community. This evolved into the Gentleman's Foundation. The Gentleman's Ball an event that has been described as a second chance prom, awarding youth scholarships and honoring community advocates making contributions to Atlanta's LGBTQ community. The visibility of positive LGBTQ folks is number one. Recently, the couple opened Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar located in downtown College Park just outside Atlanta. Named after Juan's late father-in-law, Virgil F. Smalls, the Chic Eatery provides customers with more than signature cocktails and soul food. It's also helping to build community and combat stigma. While the company understands the importance of giving back for them, providing food and building community have always gone hand in hand. Juan, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I'm doing well, even though it's a little rainy out here. What about yourself? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm doing okay. I mean, you're in one of my my favorite cities, Atlanta. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's like it, it's sort of cool. You know, I was there pre-pandemic. I was there in, at the end of 2019, but I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends who are there, so, you know, so, well. Yeah, and you know, Atlanta is open, open, so. <laughs> I know. Come on I, I back. Know. <laughs> I know. I found out about you through Phil Esteem, and um, mm-hmm. Phil and I go back. Um, I met him 
a long time ago, and, you know, we, we send people back and forth. And then um, I've been an, in an esteem award winner a couple of times, and I've, mm-hmm. done some, and I've done some things for them. So usually I'm telling, oh, I just talked to this amazing person. You should talk to them. But he sent me an email, and he said, you should talk to Juan Smalls. So, and that's how we came to be. That's awesome. How do, awesome. How do, you, how do you have a connection with Phil? So we actually have uh, been presented with an esteem award as well. Uh, my husband All the and best I. We, we, yeah, we started doing um, community work back in 2008. I, I, I take that back. So we were married in 2009. And at that time, uh, same gender marriage was only legal in about four states. Mm-hmm. So we eloped to New York, and we got back to Atlanta and began just in casual conversation saying, you know, uh, we're married now because um, no one knew what we were doing. It, it people were stunned, and they, mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to know more. They wanted to know how. They wanted to know why. They just wanted to know, no, no. So uh, a friend at the time had a magazine, Urban Socialites, and so he said, well, since you're getting this attention, you should write a love and relationships column uh, for his magazine monthly. So we started doing that. We named it Love Works, and it just took off. It, it really blew up. So it evolved to a YouTube talk show. Um, it evolved into us getting our um, – life coaching certification so that we could begin to see people individually while sharing our experiences and also helping them through whatever experiences they may be going through. And that took us to 2011 when we started the Gentleman's Ball, and that then ushered our nonprofit work with the Gentleman's Ball and the Gentleman's Foundation. So, uh, Philip, you know, seeing all the work we were doing, how we just organically arrived into that space. He uh, blessed us with an esteem award. Um, I forget the year. It had to be around 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, here we are now, 2021, you know, uh, still on this journey together. Wow. You know, I mean, and I'll tell you, that was one of the things as I, I was looking at different things about you that I could see why um, you would be a perfect candidate and recipient for the Esteem Awards because, like you said, it was organic. You just started doing it, but you stood in your truth, you know, and you gave back to people. And so, you know, I was like, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's just, it's just like amazing. So you've been married a minute, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've been married for a long minute. Um, but I know. A, a little bit to the point where, that you just said, you know, I feel like my life is, my life's purpose is to go through experiences and help other people to not have to experience the same thing that I went through. If I can make someone else's life a little bit better with knowledge, with uh, resources, with, um, you know, any, any little nugget that they need to make their journey all the more um, easy, 
that's what I'm here to do. Um, I don't I don't think we should hoard our knowledge and our resources. It's it, it should be given away freely, and and that's what I'm here to do. So, anytime I can help, I'm I, I'm always I'm always there. Now you know you got married before you know everybody could get married, or every every week you see someone posting about their their big gay marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I know you know it's like you know really yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean I can recall back you know during that whole fight for marriage equality. I happened to meet um, mm-hmm. David Wilson, who's from Massachusetts, and he and his partner uh, made marriage, were one of the couples that made marriage legal there. And then it was just about, mm-hmm. you know, the rights. You know, like he, he had a, a crazy experience where his first partner had died and he couldn't because they couldn't weren't married. And then he had a, uh, an, an event almost identical with his second partner, but mm. because they had started to get all the paperwork together, you know, and that there was they an education to... piece, he was able to mm-hmm. be there in that hospital. His first partner, he found out, in fact, he found out from his partner's mother that he had died because they wouldn't let wow. him in, you know. And so that, that was his reason. You know, it was like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. should go... Go through that. And I hear that from you. When you have young couples who come to you and they go like, oh, wow, you know, you two have been, you know, been in there a long time, what do you tell them? Because sadly, as, as many big gay weddings that we see, we see big gay divorces. What do you tell Correct. them that you've learned? Uh, so I, I mean, I've learned a lot, but what I will first and foremost say is uh, before you embark upon a marriage journey, um, decide the reason why you're getting married. Uh, and as much as you can, know who you are in that moment. And have a trajectory, uh, at least in your mind, on where you want this relationship to go. You know, everyone gets married for different reasons. You know, it may be financial reasons, it may be romance, it may be love. Ultimately, this is someone who you're vowing to spend the rest of your life with, so for, you should like the person. Y'all should have a clear vision. You should have uh, clear shared goals and clear individual goals. The shared goals will help you to work together. The individuals will allow you to you know, remain whole outside of the marriage because sometimes we can get lost in the us and kind of Mm -hmm. neglect the eye. So I think that's very, very important. Um, And also what I, what I really, really tell people, and this is, has nothing to do with marriage. It's just relationships in general. uh, You are going to be challenged in ways you've never been challenged before. And the key to getting through those challenges is to understand that that is supposed to happen. Those challenges are here to, um, allow you to grow, to allow you to see yourself in a different light. There is a part of the evolutionary process. And so you see all of these divorces because the moment things get rocky, we just, we run away, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so we'll continue to find ourselves in the same situations because that relationship is going to hold a mirror up to you and say, look, here you are. This is how you're showing up. You're going to get triggered. If you continue to run away, you will never grow past that phase because there's 
there's a new life on the other side. And you will never realize that new life. It will never come to pass if you continue to avoid the situations. That will give you the tools on how to be a better person. So it's all about sticking in there. It's all about being confident and knowing you made the right decision with this life partner. And that's where I'm at right now. Haven't been married since 2009. We're going on year, what, 12 um, Mm -hmm. of marriage, 13 of being together We've evolved past husbands. We're life partners. You know, we, we, mm. we've arrived to a place of liberation. We've arrived to a place where the term husband, you know, it connotates possessiveness. And where I'm at in my life is I need to be free. I need to be liberated. And my relationship needs to serve that function in my life. So, we, we are co-creating our experience as we, you know, go out into this world. It's us side by side. We're partners. I don't own him. He doesn't own me. He can make any decision he'd like so long as respect is at the foundation of that decision. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything is possible and anything is okay. And I think mm-hmm. that's another um, thing in long-term relationships. You know, when you're together with someone five, six, seven, eight, ten years, I always say, are you the same person today that you were five years ago? And the answer is typically no. So you have to realize that in a long-term relationship, you're evolving and growing in ways. Your partner is doing the same. So you have to constantly reintroduce yourself to your partner. You have to constantly be exploring. You have to constantly be accepting of new ways of being and new ways of interacting in order for a long-term marriage or relationship to work. Wow. You know, that's what people need to hear before they go out and buy the the tuxes and the weddings and the do and all the stuff. They need to have that conversation because, I mean, yeah, really, and. And too often times they don't. Um, you know, being married is a fad now. Like when I was growing mm-hmm. up, I'm, I would be 39. You know, I've never, I said I would never get married to a man because it wasn't something that, number one, people that looked like me did. It wasn't legal. It, it seemed like a fairy, fairy tale. And so now that it, it's become legal in the States, it's a fairy tale in a different way. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a fad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fad. You, they, people just want a ring and they want the wedding and they just want to say, I'm married, but they don't want to put the work into staying married. And that's, that's the biggest difference. So I always, and people may think I'm pessimistic when I say that thing, but to me, getting through the easy stuff is cake. You know, it's when things get rough. It's when, you know, you're being tested. It's when you wake up and your partner has a different vision for life than you. How are you going to get through that? How are you going to negotiate? How are you going to communicate? How are you going to grow in a way that's beneficial for both of you individually and collectively? Those are the questions we need to ask ourselves. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I, I love it because, you know, I mean, I have been involved, uh, uh, really, really, really involved, you know, like 
nationally doing all of this. And my, I had hoped that when we got it, because, you know, we know couples, you know, I have interviewed, I have met couples who have been together, weren't able to get married, but in part because they weren't able to get that, have that big ceremony that negotiated, did all of that for years. And then when, as soon as, you know, we had the right to get married, it was just like, like you said, it was almost like a fan. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, I thought you were so in love and you had this big wedding and now you're getting, I mean, I have someone who sent out this thing for, and I'm glad I didn't go, a destination <laughs> wedding. Okay, a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. They had this huge wedding somewhere, I forget where. And two years later, well, you know, they were done. And they were getting, yeah. you, know, you know, really, I said, had I gone on yeah, this destination wedding, I'd be ready to beat you up. You know? right. It's but, like, but, just have a party and call it a day. Okay. Thank you. Stop Thank you. Yeah. Just have a party. Mm-hmm. But then I had met. Hey, I don't um, think. This... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, met I was going to say, you know, I just don't think that, you know, there's no depth to the thought process. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take the vows, like that's you really committing yourself, which is why, you know, I'm not a fan of these. Um, textbook cookie cutter pre-written vows like I think every person should vow should write their own vows because you know you this is a promise you're making so it should come from your mind your heart reflect your value system and it should be realistic (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like to have and to hold till death to us part you know some people don't feel like that so you shouldn't mm-hmm. make that vow if that's not indicative of your thought processes. You know, I think marriage and, um, you know, every relationship is totally um, subjective. It's customizable. It's a negotiation. It's a contract. Um, and you get to dictate the terms. So you should be honest and do that. And I think mm-hmm. that's what uh, a lot of people are lacking is that transparency and that honesty on what they really can deal with. And that's why people find themselves divorcing because they're just not being honest first with themselves and then with their partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, you have to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't really and truly go into something with someone else. You know, I, they they can't. You know, they, there's a way, like I say, yeah, you complete each other, but it's not complete because you are insufficient, you know. It's like you're there and it's just like, it's a nice way that you fit together and, and you, it's broader and bigger. And yeah. So, I prefer to mm-hmm. say rather than you complete me, you compliment me. I like that. I like and that. And we compliment each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the best you can get, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, to your point, you are complete by yourself. You're whole. You are. You have everything within you that you need. And when a complimentary spirit comes along, it doubles what you have access to. It doubles things that come into your experience. And when you're on one accord, I mean, the, I'm, a, I'm a testament to it, like, 
you can't, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't do. And I firmly believe that our union was divinely sent and it, it was on purpose. It was on purpose because we, it was an act of fate that we met. We weren't supposed to be, neither one of us were supposed to be in the place we were when we were the day we met. It was just all by chance. So I don't take that for granted. Um, and people always say, well, everybody's not Juan and G. Everybody's not. No, everybody's not. But I guarantee you if you live on purpose and you open yourself to receiving the love, to working on the love, it's not always going to be roses. I guarantee you you can build in the manner in which we have. Not, there's nothing we can't do. Anything that we put our mind to, we can do. And that, can go, that goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, like, I like that. I like the part that you have to say how you complement each other. You two have done, mm-hmm. I mean, you do Juan and G together. Um, the Gentleman's Foundation, you know, there you are together. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what would you say that, in looking at the, the thing, what's the difference that, that how do you complement each other? I like how you say enjoy the journey. And what he says mm-hmm. is love, laugh, and tell the truth, which is also, to me, part of enjoying the journey. So it's like you each have a, a different perspective of looking at the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So while we're alike in so many ways, we're drastically different people. Uh, I'm more – he's a visionary. He's very uh, broad-thinking. Um, He's five years older than I am, so he has shared more, more. He's lived life more. He's been married before. He has a biological son who's now 20. So he brought all of this life experience to our union that I frankly just didn't have, um, whereas I am more of a, a methodical thinker. I sometimes overanalyze things very, very much. I'm younger. I had different worldly experiences and knowledge that I brought to our union that he simply didn't have. And all of those experiences, they lend themselves to the way we do business. The things we focus on in the business is very complimentary. He owns certain areas, and I can trust that he's taking care of that. I own certain areas, and he can trust that I'm taking care of that. Um, so, like, I don't have to worry about the way the things that that's on his plate because I know he possesses those skills that I don't have, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, but what's crazy and interesting is we had to arrive to that level of comfortability because we're both Aries, so we're both kind of alpha males, dominant in a sense. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. in the beginning, there was a power struggle. You know, never mind that you have two men in a relationship, so there's naturally going to be, you know, that testosterone, that ego, um, and all of that, um, coupled into some of the issues that I had going on in my life with being controlling and domineering and wanting and insecure in a lot of ways, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it presented a struggle after struggle after struggle, but we knew that if we continued forward, if we pressed through, we would we would come out on the other side and thrive. And so it took 
years of therapy. It took years of trial and error. It took years of moving forward with the work and going through the tribulations to arrive here we are now, 13 years later. It's like it's, it's a perfect formula at, at, at this juncture, you know, but we had to go through the fire, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, hey, hey, it, it can be two women who have who are have both, you know, who are both the alpha people, you know. I mean, and, and yeah, I absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think that whenever you have two, you have the same sex in relationship mm-hmm. with each other, the dynamic is just going to be different. Like you can't compare two women in a relationship to mm-hmm. two men to a man and a woman. They're just drastically different because the the foundation is different mm-hmm. and so that's why it's important for the people in any individual relationship to create the boundaries one moment sure. I apologize to create that's the boundaries okay. to create the the uh, the way in which that relationship will operate it's totally up to you um, and I would even venture to say I mean no two relationships are the same because no Two people are in the same relationship. So Uh if you and I are in a relationship, we can't compare it even to another male and female relationship because they don't think like us. They don't live like us. They don't have our experiences. So it's up to us to create that which we desire and want. When you coach, do you like, do you coach together or, you know, does no. one of you depend no. on how do, you know, how, do you, how do you work that? Yeah. No, 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 no. So when we coach, <laughs> we coach individually, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do have two totally different um, thought processes uh, when it comes to, you know, how we show up in relationships and how we define them. Like the foundation is the same. The general concepts are the same. But like you said, the way in which we execute is different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We did, however, develop a, a, a couple's, uh, like a program to coach couples through specific situations where we would do it together, but it was a specific curriculum. So it was more teaching than coaching. And also for me, I, I'm more attracted to transformational coaching uh, in one's life, which we would tackle then all aspects of life. G is more in tune with relationship coaching specifically. Mm-hmm. So those are two differences that uh-huh. we that we have that we found doesn't work when we're <laughs> in in a session with one person together. It just didn't uh-huh. work. Did, have you ever had it where you know, like you're in, you start with somebody, and then you feel like, you know, I really think you need to talk to G. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know what's what's really interesting? Also, we've we've um, we've encountered tons and tons of couples uh, over the years, and there is typically always one. That's the one and one that's the G. <laughs> one that, that's more closely like me in, in the thought process and one that's more closely like G. So that relationship 
kind of naturally, um, we kind of gravitate towards each other naturally. But if I were to meet someone, let's just say out and about by myself, and they're interested in coaching, and I ask them a few questions right off the bat, I can I can identify pretty quickly if G would be a better fit. And I would definitely say, you know, you would you would get uh, better guidance and coaching from G than you would from me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's good. I mean, it's like no ego. It's like just, you're just real. It's like, you know, yeah. Yeah, but this is what you need, you know, huh? Uh-huh. Well, and and it, because you have to remove your ego because it's not about mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. that person and their development and uh, how their relationship can benefit from this situation. Not me saying I have a client or not me wanting to do anything. You know, my feelings are really removed from it. I really want to see what's best for the individual. Mm-hmm. Now, before we take a break, I have to tell you, I was looking at your at your. Hawan and G page, that relationship mm-hmm. vision board party. Okay, I now I've done vision boards, but normally if someone mm-hmm. says, "Oh, well, let's get together," do I go like, "I don't, I don't think so," you know, and I'm not consistent with it. Well, I'm looking, you know, you've got an event, you've got cocktails, you've got hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> vision board supplies. Now that sounds like not only something that would help couples get to a point, but a good time. <laughs> You know, it, it's an amazing time. It's an, it very, so, number one, co- little cocktails, we always start things with a cocktail hour because it loosens you up. It uh, relaxes your inhibitions. And we know that we're going to be tackling some pretty tough subjects over the course of this relationship vision board party. So we want people to be loose, and we want them to be open to this new experience. And then we take them on a journey, which is pretty, pretty special, uh, where you have to do a little work. You have to uh, map out your vision for your life and then your vision for your life as a couple. So the way it works is we have have a series of questions. I believe it's like, 30 questions or something like that. And each individual answers them separately. And what you do is then you compare your answers. So say, do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And if you say, I see us married with one kid. If you both say that, it's like, great, we have that shared vision. We're going to create our collective vision here. So you go through each question and everything that you agree on those are your top. Then the things that you don't agree on, but you're like, we both agree that we want that in our relationship, that's the next section. Then you have the section where you had this on your list, I had this on my list. I don't necessarily want what you had on your list, and you don't want what I had on my list for this section, but that does not make them invalid. So now we have a discussion why do you want this? What is that? What will that do for you? You know, did you see this behavior or whatever modeled in your past? And it takes them on this journey to dig deeper into what's driving these individual desires. So then it's like after you discuss that, do you want to leave it in this third section or do you want to move it up to one of the other two sections? after hearing the why, and that's the most Mm -hmm. important part of the night because people typically learn something they didn't know about their partner. 
and about their partner's desire and vision. And that begins to get them thinking differently, more outside of themselves and being more empathetic to their partner's visions and goals. And if they don't want it, fine. You keep this on your individual list, and maybe we'll mm-hmm. revisit it six months from now and see if anything has changed. Or if you don't, you don't. And it just is what it is. And there's nothing, there's no emotion attached to it. And um, you, people really, I mean, it's just amazing. They discover so much, even about themselves, they didn't really know when you keep digging deeper and asking why, why, why. Mm. Wow. That, I mean, that is, that's just like, um, my partner and I played a card game, and it was like there were questions, and it was like, you want that? I mean, so I could see, yeah. you know, I, yeah. you, you were interested in that? Or, or what you think that you know about someone or maybe you really don't, you know. But if you Or what you knew about them, what you mm-hmm. knew about them when you got together is now different. Mm-hmm. You know, you've evolved. You know, I, I, I just, I constantly ask people, are you the same person you were last week? You know, change mm-hmm. can be instant. All you have to do is make a decision and you can really transform yourself in your life, in this moment. So I always, and I kind of get it, like G always asks me, why do you always ask me these questions? You should know this. But I'm like, I don't want to assume that things are the same. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'll ask you, and it may be very mundane. It may be, do you want tomatoes on your sandwich? You know, mm-hmm. he's like, you know I like tomatoes. Well, I'm like, well, you may not want tomatoes today. You know, <laughs> you may exactly, love tomatoes, but you, know? you, but you you probably just don't want them right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I constantly just try to be open to the evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. And, and then that also helps me keep my emotions in check, too, because I can be a very, you know, emotionally volatile, up and down type of person sometimes. Um, so that helps me manage that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we're going to take our first break, and then we're going to talk about the Gentleman's Foundation. So we'll be okay. right there. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, we're talking with Juan Smalls, and I mean, I mean, everyone should should think about. I mean, even if you don't do that that um, vision party, something like that. 
I mean, so many good things because we do change. And I think that that's the most important thing to remember, that the person that you were, say, last week might be different than the person that you, that you are now. I'll tell you, on the G, the Juan and G uh, website, great picture, great picture. Mm. You two, I mean, you, you two look like gentlemen, you know, wonderful gentlemen. Um, yes, thank I mean, you very it's, much. It's really, re- really great, great uh, picture, you know. I like it a lot. It also shows the differences that. between you. You know, you're both, you know, you're wearing it well, but in your own style, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, now, thank you so much. When I saw about the Gentleman's um, Ball and the, the Gentleman's Foundation, you know, I have a friend who lives in, just that quick, I'm blanking. But anyhow, they have the Brothers Network, and it's about, it's mm-hmm. around the arts. And I thought about Gregory when I said, oh, I wonder what, if this is like that. But it is, but it isn't. Um, you have programs. How did you two and your group decide to make this Gentleman's Foundation, and what's the mission of the Gentleman's Foundation? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the, the – I'll try to make it short and sweet. So mm-hmm. when G and I created our uh, first business together, it was an event production company, and mm-hmm. we, we were de- trying to determine – what would be our first event? And G always wanted to do a second chance prom for mm. uh, for gay people because, you know, oftentimes, most likely, we didn't go to the prom with the gender that we <laughs> wanted to uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and so once we began planning that event, you know, we were coming up with the theme. We settled on the gentleman's ball. Uh, and as we were just planning, 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 it evolved into this experience where we were celebrating people, men, black gay men, who were proud to stand tall in their truth. And we dubbed them the true gentlemen uh, because, you know, oftentimes, the, the, at the time, the DL was an epidemic. It was just this thing. Um, we were being in our opinion, misrepresented in the media. So we wanted to really provide the community with an outlet. And also, like, it's a black tie, a, a black tie event, three-course meal, entertainment, open bar. Mm. Um, we didn't have those type of events in our community, but we would go to them all the time for our white counterparts. Multiple times a year you had the GLAAD Awards mm-hmm. and um, all of these other upscale black tie events, but we didn't have one for us by us. So that was mm-hmm. the um, gap that we were endeavoring to fill. And we always party with the purpose. So we would attach a nonprofit to it every year to raise awareness, to raise money for, etc. And around the third year, we just ran into a bunch of red tape with the nonprofit, who I shall not name, um, but a local (laughs) Atlanta nonprofit. (laughs) Uh We were uh, supporting that year, and uh, the money and the resources just wasn't being funneled in the direction in which we saw fit. 
uh, it was, like I said, so much red tape that after that experience we said we should just create a nonprofit organization so that we can do the work that we want to see done in the community. So we, just, we did just that. We applied for the 501c3. We called it the Gentleman's Foundation. And the mission was to empower black gay men specifically at the time to live their best life, to make uh, great life choices, to live, stand tall in their truth, and to essentially be liberated. And we did that through mentorship, through mental health support groups, uh, through scholarship, a scholarship fund that we created, and through the Gentleman's Ball itself. And then the Gentleman's Ball evolved into an awards program where we honored these gentlemen uh, for their community service, for their, uh, how they excelled in their career, and then it evolved to, as we grew as people, as we grew and saw a need in the community for unity, we realized, oh, we're, we're kind of being segregationists. So we then began, um, while it's still called the Gentleman's Ball, we began honoring everyone in the community, whether you're a male, female, gender nonconforming, uh, however you identify. We're all one, and we can't continue to allow the, the different letters in the LGBTQI to be disjointed. So now it's a celebration of the community as a whole. It evolved to a weekend of events where we had uh, the scholarship, a separate scholarship presentation. We had health and wellness fairs. We had... Uh, financial seminars. Uh, we really wanted to empower people holistically in all aspects of life, culminating with, you know, the, the main event, the Gentleman's Ball. So it's an amazing time. Like I said, last, the last time we had it, we haven't done it for two years for because we were opening the restaurant and then COVID happened. We kind of needed okay. to recharge. But we had over 600 people attend uh, from all over the country, it, it's a night of love. It's a night of transformation. It's a night where you get to party and dance and get dressed up and see your peers in a different light. It's an amazing experience. Wow. I'll tell you, to show you how, okay, what a small world it is. I'm so, because, you know, as we talk, I'm looking at your website. And I'm mm-hmm. looking, so like, that guy looks familiar. Lionel Williams. I met Lionel in Chicago, but then he had dreads, you know. And yes, like, yes, yes. I'm looking, I'm going like, that guy looks kind of familiar. And I'm going like, I love Lionel. <laughs> I know. I know, but, you know, you are so right. Because I can tell you, particularly in general, I have gone to more events that were – you know, black tie events where you could dress up and everything. And generally, you could count the number of black people on one or two hands. They were held Mm -hmm. by, you know, white organizations. But we're here. We are doing things. 
and we should celebrate ourselves. Why aren't we there, you know, amongst us? And, and to be able to, we don't always need a white organization to give us scholarship. We can support our own. And we have been doing that, mm-hmm. but not organizationally. And so, and I know a lot of organizations that have been like sort of at these, and, you know, and, and often when you tell them, oh, you know, we should have this, and they go like, oh, we can't, you know. If HIC can want an arm and a leg, <laughs> you know, for a dinner, we should be able to do that because we have people in our community or we can be flexible enough to where we can bring people together and to mm-hmm. where there's nothing Absolutely. more empower, empowering for particularly a young black or brown or Asian or any person of color, gay person, to see us, you know, out to see themselves proud, reflected. Yeah, proud and, doing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and it, it, it's 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 just necessary. You know, the things that we are doing right now uh, are things that I wish we had when I was growing up. You know, I didn't see anyone who was same gender loving or gay identifying as successful, as thriving, as proud. You know, it was all about shame and hiding and in the closet. All of the messages Uh that were sent were negative. You're not enough. You're going to hell. You're this, you're that, you're X, you're Y, you're Z. But if this is how God made me and I am, am divinely created, then nothing about me is negative. Who I choose to love, who I am attracted to, doesn't make me bad. You know, so to see, and I'm, you had me go to the website too, and I'm, 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 I'm inspired just looking at this, like looking mm-hmm. at the honorees from the last time that we had it. You see truly the rainbow, every archetype of, gay, black, non-gender conforming, trans is represented and it's important for people to look at this website and say, oh, that's me right there. You know, I, I can you know, do this sort of, too. I mean, really, it's sort of like, I mean, Kyler. I mean, Kyler is, is my, my brother from another mother. But the way that mm. he has, to be able to see him out in the the impact that he has made. Simone Bell from Detroit originally, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> people, you know, hey, I got to claim my people, you know, but to see these people who you talk to and people who are doing it and are making a difference, and like you said, for the longest, I can recall coming up and it was like, well, you kind of knew who was, but people weren't celebrated. And now to be able to see us there. Celebrated. You it. hit the nail mm-hmm. on the head right there. Mm-hmm. Celebrated. Just, not just, just tolerated. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, celebrated. It's celebrated. It's a celebration. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because even like, you know, I talk to people and they say like, well, you know, maybe you don't know. Well, you should. Do you remember he testified before Congress? You know, I mean, you need to know that we have been doing these things and standing up and being out there. Mm-hmm. 
False. Forever. Why? I mean, for as long for, like we mm-hmm. are the trailblazers, but we don't get mm-hmm. the proper recognition. And you, you, and I really, honestly think it's a part of the reason is because LGBTQ is really white. It has mm-hmm. a, a, a white connotation. It conjures up images of the white experience. And mm-hmm. so when we identify as such, we get lost. Mm-hmm. We get eaten, our contributions are glossed over or someone else is given the credit or a more ex- quote-unquote acceptable face is put at the forefront of a movement when the boots on the ground are black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And so... That's one of the reasons why, just one of the reasons why we said we need to honor us. And you said it earlier, we don't have to wait to be honored by other organizations. It means more when it comes from us. You know, we need to put the, the uh, same energy into uplifting our own community. We need to look at, we need to legitimize these grassroots organizations in a different way. And I think that's legitimacy. You know, we don't have all the money in the world, but it's not just about the money, you know. So mm-hmm. it's about what you're actually doing. And our community is, I mean, there's some powerful people. I'm just looking at this right now, and I'm like, and they're still out here changing the world. Mm-hmm. And you feel so proud. I mean, whenever I see, you know, I, you know, you just feel so proud. And, you know, as to what you're saying, you know, a couple of years ago, um, the NAACP had a conference here, and they had a, a panel, the state of black in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so we're sitting there, but there is that perception. I mean, it was well attended. I was happy for that. There were some people who didn't come in who weren't too happy, but, hey, that's their issue. But at one point in time, it's important to say, you know, because when they think, like you said, LGBT, they're putting a white face on, but it's important to say, we never gave up our black card. We are right. the same black excellence that should be, be celebrated, and we are there. And I thought that, you know, I mean, it's just like. We're black okay. first. Thank you. Thank you. And we are you know, black first. I would have called, called and, somebody that, that if I got pulled over, I, there was no gay card I could get, pull out a, and get out of jail. You know, I'm black. Right. You know, right, I see a black person in the car where you should, they don't think I should be, and that's it. There's no gay card you can pull mm-hmm. out. You know, right. uh, whereas, you know, and, and that's important. And that's why, it's, I mean, I'm looking at this, and... You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be watching the calendar for the next one, and, you know, I guess I'm going to have to make it on down there for the next one because yes. to be, this year. Okay. I mean, it does. It makes you feel so great. And the things that we have been doing, and we've been doing them for years, but like what you were talking about as far as having the funding, being there, and to, and to move it to this point to celebrate it. I know that um, – the Center for Black Equity, for the longest, they were associated mm-hmm. with pride. But they do so mm-hmm. much more than pride. You know, but, they, but what do they think? Once a year, hey, you know, we have a weekend, we have pride. <laughs> you know, but, but there's things that go on all year long. 
and Long. I know that you know, and that's a that I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. that up because mm-hmm. that is also something that we dealt with over the years, and we had to really uh, create different marketing avenues to advertise what we did throughout the years because mm-hmm. a lot of people see the gentleman's ball and that's all they think that we did. But we're like, no, please just take a moment to go to the website and see all of the other initiatives that we are hard at work executing throughout the year, the mentorship program for, you know, young uh, gentlemen who we, we had did a partnership with Morehouse College, uh, and we paired them up for a year with people who were, like, in the same industry so that they could provide some guidance on their career path. Uh, Like I said, I experienced depression, Mm -hmm. and I came out one year at the Gentleman's Ball during my speech as experiencing depression. And when I tell you the next day, the following week, the following month, I was inundated with texts and phone calls and DMs People saying me too, me too, mm-hmm. me too. I don't mm-hmm. know how. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how what to do. So we created the circle of trust, where we had uh, mental health uh, support groups, not just for you know depression, but for people dealing with HIV. Um, people. We had one for college age uh, children, children, like they're children to me now, but young adults. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. We had one for couples, you know, because couples see themselves facing different um, obstacles than, you know, single people. We had one for trans gentlemen, you know, so providing all of these services throughout the year, uh, people weren't seeing that work. You know, so we were reduced to only doing the ball. So we had to think of ways to say, no, we're here. We're doing other work, important work. Please support. Please utilize these services. Please apply for a scholarship. Because um, that was another thing. Was like we're trying to give away money, not and we call it a scholarship, but it was really a grant that anyone of any age pursuing any post college education, I mean, excuse me, post high school education could apply for. So whether it was real estate school or trade school or four-year university or two-year university or you want to go to culinary school, it didn't matter because we believe that everyone needs financial assistance. It doesn't matter if you're just going to a university. Mm-hmm. So things like that, we wanted to make it very, very, very accessible to everyone so that we can all thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, I applaud you for coming out. I mean, I tell you, you know, we have to come out all the time about so many things, but there's so about many so many things to, yes. to our, our lives that it's important to come out. And depression, mental health issues, there's still that stigma about it. And mm-hmm. that for people to come out and to be able to look at you and just sort of say, hey, there are some days when I'm not all right, and that there, you might need support, and here is support. I mean, yes. that is and you, and you so know, important. I am. I make it a point to say I'm all right when I'm not all right. And I know, you know, when people say, "Hey, how you doing?" 
they're not necessarily always looking for <laughs> a truthful answer. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. a greeting. But I'll really say, like, you know, today's not a good day. Or, oh, I couldn't sleep last night because I had so much on my mind. Or I'm feeling really sad and I don't know why. I'll say that because I do want to normalize that vulnerability and that transparency so that people know, because I know I, I don't take it lightly, that people in our community look at me and they have a specific impression, like I have it all together, but mm-hmm. I don't always have it all together, and I want to be open and transparent about that. So, number one, they can see themselves reflected, and we can just operate honestly with each other. We don't always have to have it together. I can be weak in certain moments and know that you have my back and trust that you have my back and you're going to protect me when I need it. And so we have to continuously just be vocal about the things that we go through. We're so used to in our community hiding because we always had to operate in secret. Um, but that doesn't have to be our narrative anymore. And I understand that it's tough, but I, I'm here. I'm I'm a witness that it gets easier with every instance in which you just own your reality and stand in your truth. Mhm. Mhm. So, with COVID, how has mm-hmm. your how have you the, the foundation had to pivot with its programs? Or have you had to? Well, yes. Unfortunately, the programs are suspended currently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's for a number of reasons, not just due to COVID, although that was um, a part of it. But we had to, and it's crazy that we made the decision to pivot after the last gentleman's ball. Um, and then COVID happened um, that further caused us to pause. So right now we are, you know, discussing how do we relaunch, so to speak. What does that look like in these post-COVID days? Um, it's kind of interesting because, like I say, Atlanta is pretty much open, so we don't have a lot of gathering restrictions, but we want to be responsible we want to be uh, we want to protect each other, especially with pre-existing conditions and compromised immune systems. We just want to do what's going to be best for the community at, at large. So like for the gentleman's ball, it's like, do we limit the number of tickets, you know, to 200 and social distance? Do we do something virtually? Uh, how does that look? in 2021 so we haven't we haven't arrived at a decision we just know that we will come back this year and the first program that we're bringing back is the scholarship program because that does not require you to meet you know there's no uh, Mm -hmm. gathering required so it's, it's all about trial and error and that's one thing that I think G and I do very well is we're able to pivot very well um, and trust the decisions that we make. So, yeah, it, it, we're coming back this year definitely, though, definitely. Mm-hmm. Do you think because that, there is a void. Uh, it feels like there's a void. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. in the community. Um, and this, the work that we were doing is very, very necessary. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, particularly for your support program, is there the opportunity with a virtual to where you can expand it? I mean, you know, because you have people who are from Atlanta that because of this also have had to relocate in part because of jobs to go back with family. Yeah. But, you know, here there's a way. The only thing about that, my only apprehension is the anonymity of mm-hmm. the participants. Um, face-to-face, it's more intimate. Uh, you know, we don't have cell phones. You know, we don't have any type of recording devices. People are very, very, very vulnerable and very, very fragile in this space. And so I want to protect them first and foremost. So when you open it up to virtual, you know, someone could record the screen. You know, it just opens up to a a different set of liabilities. So I don't think it will work from that perspective. Uh, But one um, program that we were trying to get off the ground, but it never really took off, um, was an extension of the Circle of Trust, which was a testimonial uh, series where we we did one um, where same-sex domestic violence, mm-hmm. where, you know, we'll have the online forum, a person who experienced whatever topic would, will give their testimony. There's a small interview portion, and then people can ask them questions. Um, And a lot of the questions you get is, how did you get through it? I'm experiencing the same thing. What kind of resources are out there? That kind of thing. So that's something we can explore bringing back in this virtual world because it's meant to be public. You know, the person who's giving their testimony wants people to learn from their experience. <clears throat> so do you have a date set for uh, approximately when the annual Gentleman's Ball Weekend is going to be? We haven't set a date. We know it's, it's typically in October, um, mm-hmm. but uh, our first one was on 11-11-11. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of toying with the idea of doing it on that same date because this would be the 10th year, mm-hmm. uh, 10 years later. So 11, 11, 21, although that's a Thursday, I believe. So that might cause issues with people's schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. But we know it's going to either be in November or December. Okay. Okay. And I know that I see on that um, you have people can be sponsors. So will they go to the website also and to find out about how they want to sponsor and whatever to make, to make sure that not only this happens but to support the other programs? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll um, update the website with all the current information once we make the official announcement. Then we'll do like a a video um, announcement of some sort to announce the official date, you know, where you can get tickets, how you can sponsor, how you can sponsor a scholar, uh, all of that information. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I definitely got to know. I got to (laughs) know. So we're going to take our second break, and then we'll, I saved the best to last because I know I'm going to be starving by the time I finish talking to you about it. So we're going to take our second Virgil. break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Reflections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. I said I saved the last because I'm going to tell you, I did an interview with someone who did massage, and I, and I talked about it too early, and, then, and I was just like, oh, God, I need massage. Okay, Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar. Okay, I'll tell you. Yes. One of my, besides Atlanta, I love Charleston. Uh, okay. South Carolina. Awesome. And, and when I was down there, and I'm, you have a thing, how you said, come here, and I had gone in a street uh-huh. art gallery, and this woman was telling me the difference between people who had been there and people who came there. And she used that term. And um, I didn't get to spend as much time there, but I just loved it. I liked the people. I was mm-hmm. fascinated by the culture and the things to learn about it. Um, I bought art, you know. Art by a black artist, you know, which I have up in my house. So when I saw that, I'm going like, okay, well, first of all, I would love to eat there. But Mm -hmm. then it was like, okay, that name, the Gullah Kitchen and Bar, I'm thinking, well, that should be in Charleston. You know, but here you are in Mm -hmm. the the Atlanta area. How'd that happen? Yeah, we're in College Park. So, uh, Mm -hmm. G, my husband, he's he's Geechee. He, he's Gala. He's from Charleston, South Carolina. All um, right. Yeah, so he's uh, from James Island specifically. So okay. that's where the 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 Gala comes in. Mm-hmm. So we were we um once again in 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 exploring business opportunities. You know, we we endeavored to open a bar and lounge. Um. Mm-hmm. This was maybe about six or seven years, seven, well, shit, now, more like seven or eight years ago, because we found that in the spaces here in Metro Atlanta, our kind were just tolerated, not really celebrated, as we were speaking to earlier, or welcomed and encouraged to be ourselves. So we were saying we need a space for us, by us, where we can come in, be ourselves, and be celebrated in the process, be welcomed with open arms, um, a space that's built on love. I mean, we always say we treat people as if they're a guest in our own home, and that mission has really been felt and experienced by the community. So when we found this space in um, Historic College Park, uh-huh. Once again, we were we wanted to just be a bar, serve you know small bites here and there, but it would just be bar food. But in College Park, you cannot operate a bar solely. Your food sales have to out outperform your bar sales. So yeah. 
we were like, well, what do we do? We have to build a menu. And so Jean, who's a fabulous cook, said, well, we should serve the food that I know how to cook. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's where the gullah comes in. So he developed mm-hmm. the menu um, there from his family recipes. Uh, and Virgil is his dad uh, who passed away two months before we even met. And so, mm-hmm. you know, in the Gullah culture, it's the oldest black culture in America. They believe that the ancestors are mm-hmm. our spirit guides. And so I've said, well, we should name the restaurant Virgil's because we believe that Virgil brought us together um, and mm. has been guiding our path over these years and, you know, has had his hand in all of our successes. So let's name it after him as an homage, as a thank you. And so that's where Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar comes from. So he developed the menu, and he's constantly adding, subtracting, and and, and cooking the food he loves. Mm. Mm. And it's delicious. I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm going like, oh, wow, you know. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, it's like, oh. I mean, there's something about that that connects you. And the fact that uh, I was talking to um, Shadra Pittman um, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about our history and where we first Mm -hmm. put sex foot in this country and how despite it all, even though at that time our manifest, we were caused, you know, considered livestock, you know, that here, mm-hmm. we're still here, and that we have held on to many of those recipes, those mm-hmm. cultures, you know, even now. Yeah, and and, and, and... and they should be celebrated. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. I think we learn about slavery. We learn about slavery and um, the transatlantic slave trade in a negative light, you know. But to me, that shows the resilience, the resiliency mm-hmm. of our people. That shows, you know, the the courage that we come from, that flows through our veins. You know, uh, Charleston was one of the main ports that, uh, points of entry, so about 80% or so uh, mm-hmm. of us living in America can trace our roots through that port. And so that's a tradi- that should be honored And in, instead of, you know, being, I don't know what the right word is, Instead of, well, you, you know, know, just shunning it and trying to grow from it, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and not mm-hmm. acknowledge it, we need to honor mm-hmm. it and preserve that culture. So this is our part in, in doing that. You know, I often tell, it, it's, and it's been like so ingrained, particularly in our youth, I often um, was telling people, like, I took a group of youth from the Detroit area, and we went to Chicago, we went to the Dusab Museum. We got there late, you know, just about mm-hmm. at the time they were about to close it. And there's a wonderful gentleman there who, who said, I'm going to take you around. And he took us around, and he, we stopped at this one picture, and he asked them, what did they see? And these kids, some of these kids are just slaves. And he said, no, look, those are craftsmen. Those are mm. engineers. These are people 
who and he and when they left knowing that we built this country and yes, had a different, yes. a different sense of who they were and you know, and it gives you a deeper appreciation for your people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what we came through to be mm-hmm. here um you know and like uh shadra had worked in new york where they had under kind of the African burial ground and how they had, they dug up and here were bodies in New York that, you know, they had just built on top of, you know, and they had just been mm-hmm. almost like, but when you looked at it, she saw things that showed how these people, despite it all, had hung on to their culture and they do a thing in, um, I want to say Virginia each year about it, but being in Charleston and talking to people, I went on the, the black tour. Okay, with <laughs> mm-hmm. like a wonderful man who afterwards, I mean, said the very thing that you did, how many of us, you know, could trace our lineage back to Charleston coming over. And after you listen to him talk and him talk about all these things, you were on fire, you know. You were on fire yeah, to absolutely. About, about things, you know. And, and also, I don't know if you, they have a, a, a plantation there on James Island which is up the street from where G uh, grew up. And it's amazing to me. I'm like, you grew up right up the street from here. The the history is just so rich. But when you're walking on the land, it's like you can feel the spirits mm-hmm. and you can feel the energy. It's it's thick. It's palpable. It's, it's I just feel so connected. And so mm-hmm. having the opportunity to not just, own a restaurant because that's just the business part, but to educate the community and to preserve the culture and to expose Atlanta. Like we're the first color restaurant in Atlanta and you know, that's important. I don't take that lightly. It's, it's a privilege to be able to do that and provide, you know, that this safe space, everyone who comes into Virgil's, uh, talks about the energy and the vibe and the love that they experience. You know, we have regulars who have been coming since, for, since day one that feel like family now, you know, that especially during the COVID times, you know, we had to furlough um, our entire staff mm. at one point. And so it was G and I in the restaurant working he he in the kitchen, me in the front of house, and people loved and had such a connection to Virgil so much that they would just come up there and say, "I just want to sit in here mm. to feel the energy," and yeah. that was just so amazing to me because you can't plan for that. You can't. There's no business plan or business model to teach you or how to execute on touching people's soul and spirit. That just happens. And so mm-hmm. we knew that, you know, we, we lead with love, but it, the results have been beyond our wildest expectations. So much I mean, so, anybody, like, mm-hmm. like during COVID, the community really, really stepped up to support. You know, we had people buying 50 meals here, 100 meals here, mm. for us to give out to to the less fortunate. But they were doing that to keep us afloat. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, 
there's no words. It's emotional. I get emotional just thinking about it because they don't have to do that. Or there are tons of other restaurants that they could have supported in that way, but they chose us. And I don't take it for granted. And I believe a part of it is because of honor how our mission, part of our mission is to honor the culture and to spread that awareness. I told you I had to stop. I'm looking at the menu. I'm hungry. Oh, my God. I said, can you do a carry out and ship it out here to me? No, but I'm going to tell you, you, know, you on my list. I'm telling you. Yeah, so you have to – so when you come, I mean, you you got to try – one of the best things on the meal, our most popular uh, item on the menu is our after-church plate. And it's called that okay. because this is what they would eat after church, G and his family. Fried chicken, uh, jam-up wings are a bomb, strizzled mm. with our uh, gullagal sauce, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, like a sweet and sour sauce, not too much, just mm. enough macaroni and cheese and collard greens, which are stewed with mm. smoked turkey oh, necks. I'm, I'm looking at the collard greens. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, mm, mm, mm. I, I tell you, now, I was, I, um, my mother was born and raised in Detroit. I was born and raised in Detroit. I was grown before I ever went south, but these greens are speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> the greens are, everyone loves our greens. Uh-huh. Everyone loves our greens. So they're, they're really, really, really a hit. Um, the gullah egg rolls are bomb. It has rare mm. rice, fried cabbage, mm. and shrimp inside. Uh, the slammin' salmon is also one of my favorites, which is a composed plate. It has uh, salmon over rice with our crabby cream sauce uh, mm. with a side of our gullah geechee fried corn topped with the fried shrimp and a fried oyster. Um, mm-hmm. It's bomb. Uh she crab soup. Are you familiar with she crab soup? I had that when I was in Charleston. Yeah, our she, it's amazing. And our mac and cheese is uh-huh. award winning. Also, by the way, we won an award for our mac and cheese. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. The, the menu is really, really great. Uh, like I say, G can cook his tail off, and he did a great job. Uh, developing the menu to be cooked in large batches. <clears throat> and he did a great job teaching our kitchen staff how to duplicate it exactly the way he does it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, yes, wow. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So some days can you, can, can you feel his dad sitting in there with you? <laughs> you know, it's eerie almost because we have a mural up front of Virgil's Falls, and, <clears throat> excuse me, it's as if he's watching over the place 24-7. And when you look at the, the, look into his eyes, like it feels like you're looking at a human and not a painting. Okay. It's, it, it's a bit surreal at times. But yeah, he's constantly watching over. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Okay, from, 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 from getting you two together to this. I mean, that is just like, that's just like amazing. Oh, I see the mural. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see it. It's like I, 
you know, next best thing to be in there. But I'm going to get there. I had to get there now. I tell you, um, when I go someplace, I like to find art. I like to find food that that's out there where people are, and mm-hmm. generally an aquarium. If I can find that, you know, I, I'm in I'm I'm in heaven. But this is this is just looking fabulous. Oh, well, Juan, I want to thank you for taking it. Oh, I have one last question. Did you know he could cook mm-hmm. like that before when you first got together? Uh, not when we first got together, but mm-hmm. pretty soon afterwards. So, like we got, like I said, we got together in '08, mm-hmm. and the first time he cooked for me was probably a couple of weeks after we got together. But he would cook like this all the time, like mm-hmm. back in the earlier days, right when we were young mm-hmm. and tender, and he had that <laughs> snapback. <laughs> uh-huh. He would cook like this all the time. Yes, and. Everyone who would, we would have parties, we would, you know, have people over for dinner. He will always be the one in the kitchen cooking. He he loves it, and everyone will rave about it. So it's it's a full circle moment coming now that we have a restaurant. We're working on number two. Uh, Virgil's number two is going to open in Conyers probably this summer. Uh, and now the world, you know, we were on Good Morning America. You know, we've been in tons of publications. Mm-hmm. The world I, now yeah, has I a chance to taste mm-hmm. his food. And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's surreal. It's amazing. It's so special. It's like, who would have thought? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing, seeing that, and watching that, because it was after we had started talking, and I went like, oh, wow, I got him before they, they got too big, <laughs> too big and too busy. But, yeah. Oh, wow, this is just this is just amazing. Well, I'm going to tell you, Ron, I look forward to being in fellowship with you at Virgil. Absolutely. I mean, we can talk about our STEAM awards. Maybe we'll have to go and, and grab Phil and bring him down there. And <laughs> yeah, oh, Absolutely. I mean, just, I mean, and it's all, you know what, and it's like you've gone – full circle about what we as black people are about. Good food, taking care of each other, supporting mm-hmm. each other. You know, yes. you have gone Ab- full circle. That's what life is about. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't pinpoint the moment, but I know that there was a shift in in, in my psyche where it wasn't about outward fame or success. It was about taking care of our brothers and sisters, about uniting folks, about celebrating community. And once that shift occurred, all the stars aligned. Mm-hmm. You know, things just really began to take off. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. You know, when you align your purpose with helping others, you thrive. Mm-hmm. You thrive. And if, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, if I can be something for someone, an example, a mentor for someone that I wish I had growing up, I'm going to be it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's just that. Uh, well, this has been wonderful. I'm a, I've got to, I owe Phil one now. I'm going to tell all my friends who are in Atlanta if they haven't been there, they need to get there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I bet you it's 37. Like, they'll go like, 
3721 Main Street, College Park, Georgia. Mm -hmm. We are open every day except Monday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Monday is our day to rest. Well, you got to have one. Uh, You know, it's (laughs) funny that I'd be willing to tell you that as soon as I tell them, they're going to say, Oh, girl, we know about that, you know. (laughs) We know about that. What are you talking about? You know, so, but I'm going to say, well, how come you didn't tell me? You know, how come you didn't tell me? But, Juan, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time. You're welcome, and thank you so much. I'd like to thank my guest, Atlanta's own Juan Smalls. Through the nonprofit, the Gentleman's Foundation, their restaurant, Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar, or visibility in the community, Juan, with his husband G, are more than Atlanta's power couple. They believe providing food and building community always goes hand in hand. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram, and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Black Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.